Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Russia's invasion of Ukraine and geopolitical tensions indeed have dampened the global mood and they are expected to cast a long shadow over a series of regional and global summits this month. Not just the COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, but the G20 summit in Bali, the ASEAN summit in Cambodia and the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Leaders Meeting in Bangkok as well. Now let's look at the G20 meeting. Leaders of the G20 will meet in Bali from the 5th to the 16th of November for the 17th Summit. And to find out more about what to expect, we're being joined now by John Maret. He is Senior Analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. Hello. So, John, Indonesian Foreign Minister Retno Marsudi said in a UN General Assembly in late September that Indonesia hopes that the summit will be a turning point for the global economy. What is the potential of it being a turning point in your view? I think there's honestly quite a low potential of this being a turning point. These uh, summits don't usually result in immediate action Mm. um, on the part of the participants. Um, But obviously there are lots of issues now that require multilateral action, collaboration between many countries. Uh, and this might be an opportunity to get started on some of the negotiations, the talks around those. But yeah, n- nothing firm is going to come out of this summit alone. Let's be clear on that. Right, right. I think we should temper our optimism. You said lots of issues. One of the things that has been brought up is the fallout from the Ukraine war, the conflict with Russia. This has fueled global shortages of food and fuel. However, it's been reported that Mr. Putin will not be attending. So really, how far can leaders go in terms of substantially addressing the war and its fallout? Well, the summit is a good opportunity for leaders that might not otherwise meet. They might not choose to freely meet in bilateral uh, summits, forums, etc. It brings them together so they can at least start some preamble or some basic conversation about these issues, um, which they might not otherwise do. Uh, so that is that's quite a, a useful point to remember, I think. But uh, in terms of um, getting further with Russia on these issues, don't expect anything much. And you should see that in the fact that uh, Vladimir Putin is not going to attend. Of course, some have said that Russia should be actually completely excluded from the G20. Your views on this? I don't think that's going to happen. Yes, some countries might call for that. But even those countries who are vehemently opposed to what is going on in Russia, and there are many, uh, they do view these sort of annual, well-established summits as a good opportunity for dialogue that is essential in most cases to resolve these sort of situations, these conflicts. For sure, most of the allied countries standing against Russia have said that you know dialogue is the main option here and they will see the summit as an opportunity for dialogue with Russia's leadership. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, Putin is not attending anyway, so it's, it's more his vote of no confidence that it's more significant, I'd say, than uh, others in terms of what they view uh, Russia's part 
in the G20 should be, if any. Now let's talk about the American position in all of this. President Joe Biden will be attending the annual ASEAN summit this week in Cambodia. He'll be the first U.S. leader to make that trip since 2017. Let's not forget he was there last year as well, virtually. And then he goes to Indonesia, another important player in the region. He's scheduled to meet Chinese leader Xi Jinping before they both attend the G20 meeting. First of all, analysts are saying that by reaching out to ASEAN, the U.S. is attempting to play in China's backyard. But to what extent can the U.S. really reshape alliances in this region? Well, there are lots of countries that are sympathetic to the U.S. and have some conflicts, let's say latent conflicts with China. The obvious flashpoints would be South China Sea. Uh, That's an issue that affects many uh, ASEAN countries. So there's definitely opportunity there. It's whether the U.S. is willing to reach out to some or all of the extent economically that uh, China has done in recent years to try and convince those countries that there are multiple benefits on the table for them uh, coming around to the U.S. view. What tone do you expect the Biden-C meeting to take prior to the G20 meeting? I think it's going to be a very reserved meeting in so much as it won't address head-on many of the big issues we've been hearing about that are afflicting their relationship. One being the issue of security, the greater China-Asia region, the Taiwan issue. There's not going to be much on that apart from the usual sort of red line spiel from Xi Jinping. But we might have a little bit more delineation on on where they think the thresholds are and where they want to set them in terms of not escalating the situation any further. Um, With trade, there's little chance of Joe Biden actually breaking away from the general consensus in his government to offer something like a cooling down of the current situation. There, there is still very deep anti-China sentiment on the issue uh, in the U.S. and the U.S. Congress. And so there's not much hope there. And, uh, of course, China, Xi Jinping included, is still reeling from the impact of the new uh, sanctions uh, targeting microchips that uh, the U.S. inflicted on China, which are huge in their significance as well. So don't expect either side to give away too much in this meeting whatsoever. Right. Likely to continue to be a very tenuous relationship. Now, you mentioned earlier that while we shouldn't expect any concrete outcomes from the summit, it is a chance for them to discuss a range of issues. So we've talked about Russia, Russia, Ukraine and the fallout from that conflict. What else do you think will be brought up that would be significant in the coming months and years? Well, we've got issues surrounding some of the fallout from the pandemic um, we've got a tangle of issues there, such as you know, preparedness for future health crises, uh, the knock-on effects on food security, uh, notwithstanding, of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, its impact on food security, and other um, supply chain issues that have affected prices worldwide, inflation. And, and these are uh, things that are affecting countries in all the regions of the world. So you would expect them to be high on the agenda, especially given they're a little less political in nature. So 
issues like food security for poor, uh, let's say, low and middle-income countries and the same topic in terms of its impact on inflation. Yeah, issues that all countries are going to willing, be willing to come to the table and talk about, although substantive action on that is going to be difficult because this is not something that can be resolved between any small number of countries. It's going to have to be something that's resolved between a, hard, a very large number of countries across different regions. So it's very, very difficult. Don't expect too much out of one meeting, one summit. That's all I can say. Mm. Finally, John, it is being hosted in Indonesia. Indonesia, of course, the president of the G20 at this point. And a lot of people saying that Mr. Joko Widodo, President Joko Widodo, really wants this to succeed. It is going to be part of his legacy. What's your perspective on this? It depends what you mean by succeed, and it depends what he means by succeed. Right, uh, exactly. <laughs> he's very keen to prove itself as a adept diplomatic player. The trouble is it's coming into this with um, not such a good reputation for diplomacy and substantive ties with other major regions. You know, it's known among many Western powers as somewhat of a flaky partner. You know, it has suggested multilateral initiatives in the past, and these have come to uh, little, if anything at all. Um, It has pledged, or various leaders have pledged to certain other initiatives, be it uh, free trade agreements or cooperation with any other country or group of countries, and, and these have also come to nothing. So its reputation precedes it, and I would caution that Indonesia is going to be able to present itself as something much stronger than the somewhat unreliable partner that it has been in the past. Although, Jokowi, of course, might be able to spin this domestically and boost his popularity domestically because of a so-called grandizing of Indonesia on the world stage or any sort of um, supposed empowerment of, of Indonesia's diplomatic role in the wider world. Thanks very much for that, John. Really appreciate your time today. John Moret, Senior Analyst from the Economist Intelligence Unit. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.